everybody doing? This is the Coffee and Sports Empire in the morning. We start every morning talking about your hottest news, hottest topics, whether it's NBA, NFL, you know, drafting, conversation, everything, offseason stuff. Uh, here, this your boy, Coach Dante, as your host, my co-host, Mo Better, and we got my guy first starting his debut on the morning show and starting his debut overall of the Empire Sports uh, Network, starting with the brother. Nice to have you a part of this morning show, and I look forward to working with you and all throughout whatever show you know you got going. My, my guy, Chris. How you doing, Chris, this morning? Hey, happy to be here, guys. Happy to uh, be talking sports with you. Mo, how, how you doing, man? Great, coach. Always ready to go. Um, best way to start the week, uh, the month, the week, right? We're talking about sports. Oh, oh yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir. What better way to do it with you guys on the panel? But I mean, we got a preview of Game Five, but we had the Game Four, and again, like we said, we do, we did know better, but we know better. We know. We starting to get the glimpse of you know the stronger team, and we can kind of sense on who the strong who the stronger team really is, and it's kind of showing the last two games in Miami. You know, it got ugly in the second half in Game Three. Got ugly with Denver in the second half in Game Three. Now Game Four started similar. You know, Miami Heat. Uh, every time Denver got on the run in the first half, Miami was able to come back. Miami took the lead. By four fifty-five, fifty-one, in the third, in the second, in the second quarter at halftime. That was the score going into halftime. But again, the third quarter comes back to bite them when they got a double-digit lead, and Denver never relinquished it. And you already know when Denver has a double double-digit lead and the much talent they got on that squad, you know, hey, it's not good for uh, Miami. Miami again struggled from the three-point line. Eight of 25, that's not good enough to beat Miami. And we previewed this, Mo, in game number three, going on the game this game. If Miami doesn't shoot well, they're going to get run up out of the gym by Denver. And that's just what happened the last two games. They didn't shoot well going into Miami. They were ran up out of the gym both times. They shot well in game two. They were able to stick it down and come back and win the game. So uh, they went eight of 25. And guess what? Denver shot 50% from downtown, 14 of uh, 14 of 28 from the three point line uh miami did out rebound did out rebound uh the denver nuggets but when you're making shots you're not getting too many of those rebounds the only rebounded uh rebounding uh out rebounding by three denver had 26 assists so what does that tell you they moved the ball around a lot they were moving the ball the ball was going from uh, jamal murray hand to another hand uh eight turnovers they they only they protected the ball miami had 15 of those turnovers but the problem is Miami have trouble scoring a lot. They have trouble scoring a lot, especially when Denver having those have gets in those gets them in those half court sets. They rarely got a uh, playmaker outside of Bam and Jimmy Butler. They rarely got any type of playmakers, uh, people that can break down the de- the defense. Denver has a busload of them, and we start with the player of the game, probably Aaron Gordon, who had twenty seven points, who was on all night long, all night long. I mean, shot after shot, three after three. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. went four for 10, 11 points. And we got Jokic, you know, 23, 23 and, and 12. He, he still, he had four assists, but every, Jamal Murray, uh, Jamal Murray had 15. But the problem is everybody else stepping up. You got Bruce Brown, 21, was killing in the fourth quarter, was going ballistic in the fourth quarter. 
but uh, Chris, I'm gonna start with you, man. I'm gonna start with you. Give me your uh, reaction of this game number four. When it comes to Miami, I mean, like you said, it's th- it's three point shooting. That is where Miami really only has the only advantage against the Nuggets in this series. Uh, games one and two, Miami got the shots. They made them game two. They didn't necessarily make them all game one, but they had the looks. And coming into Miami, the big question was, can they keep getting those quality looks? And not only can they get them, but are they going to make them? And the thought process was going in 1-1, if they keep getting those looks and they're knocking them down, all they got to do is get a split in Miami and they're going to be in decent shape. The shots weren't there. The ones they had, they weren't making. And like you said, the cream rises to the top. They're both quality coach teams. This isn't a situation where it's Boston again, where Spo is just going to outcoach the other guy on the floor. He has someone over there that's equal to him. And they adjusted coming out of Denver with the three-point looks, and you can see it. And it's it's funny because the box score doesn't even tell the full story because these games are kind of close at half. But when you watch the games, you're kind of like, Denver's going to put their foot down in the third. And they did in both games. And it seems like at will, Denver has the ability to push the pace and kind of take over the game. And they're not doing it till the third quarter. But when you see that, it you just know the difference is the talent. And that's what we saw in games three and four. And I just don't see it changing in game five. Yeah, definitely excellent point right now. You did like third quarter both times. You just see Miami just try to fight, just try to fight in. But like I said, we I told Mo, it's kind of like a boxing matchup. But you know, when you're going against, when you're going against someone like a Mike Tyson that can knock you out, you can get on, you can have one good round, or a couple of good rounds in a, in, a, in a flurry against him. But once he hits you with the one knockout punch, once he gets you with that one punch, you're down for the whole match. And that's kind of like how Denver was doing. Denver did it. They hit that one big run in Miami. Both times in game number three and game four, and Miami didn't respond never to neither one of them. They got up to double digits in the third, second half. Miami couldn't respond, and Miami pretty much couldn't make a shot. And most of the shots they got were wide open. The problem is they weren't making them. When you're not making them, the paint is not going to be open, and it's not much Miami could do when they're not making shots. When they're not making shots, they can't penetrate. Denver wasn't allowing the penetration. They played great defense. They were able to stay in front of them. When you're making those shots, when you're making those shots, now the paint becomes open because now they got to, that forces a lot of bad closeouts. And for on the Denver side of things, they get any shot they want. But they, Miami tried to play zone on them. They tried to play zone on them. It didn't don't work. It don't work because uh, Denver is so much of a ball moving team. And one thing you got to do against the zone, you got to move it around. And Denver moves it around. They find open cuts to the rim, and guys do a very, really good job of cutting to the basket and getting open opportunities. So, uh, Mo, uh, your initial reaction to game number four. The, the better team won. Um, they, they, I thought Denver flexed on in game three, and I thought they flexed again in game four. For Miami, it's difficult for them to generate offense, especially against the way Denver's playing them defensively. You've got one guy that can create his own shot consistently, and that's Jimmy Butler. That's it. Bam can handle the ball well for a big man, but he really doesn't break you down. He's not that kind of player. And sometimes he can be a little cute with the ball. Like, 
this past game, game four, Bam had seven or eight of those 15 assists or 15 turnovers. He was really sloppy with the ball, really careless, and, and it hurt his team. You just watch Miami on offense, and everything's a grind. It, they, they don't get anything easy. And then you turn it around on the other side, and Denver not only can get whatever shot they want, when Miami plays good defense, Denver does the two-man action with Murray and Jokic, and a good shot comes out of it. Game four, they did a three-man action. They attacked them by Murray turning the corner, passing it to Jokic, Jokic lobbing it to Aaron Gordon on the move. A couple of times, Murray turned the corner and lobbed it because they drop. Whenever Jokic moves, they drop. When he drops, Aaron Gordon cuts up. There's a lob or, or a dunk to be had every time down court. And when that doesn't happen, somebody standing open in the corner, if it's Bruce Brown, if it's Porter Jr., this is one of those times, at least this time in these in this postseason, where we've often said the more talented team, the better team, or the more talented team should win. Miami has been unconventional by beating more talented teams throughout the playoffs. Denver's a different monster because they're a more fundamentally sound team. They're a better coach team than any team Miami's faced. And Jokic is a problem that nobody's been able to solve. But like I said, you know, when I looked at Jokic, when I looked at Jokic, and I'm not trying to go back to the um, NBA topic, but when I look at it's a difference between these two. When I look at Embiid, I think about Embiid. He's a scorer, so it's easy. When you're a scorer like that and you're a rebound, they both good, great rebounds, but when you're a scorer like Joel Embiid, it's, it becomes more tough, easier to guard you in the playoffs. But when, you, when, you're a Joel, when you're a Jokic size, you can score and get guys involved. That make it more tougher. And plus, you can step out and shoot the three. That make it more. That make it more tougher, and that actually soften up the defense. That's the difference between Joel Embiid and Jokic. That's the reason why Jokic always performs, always performs. Because even when he's not making shots, he can create for other guys. He can create for other guys, and that's going to open up the floor for him. Open up the scoring ability for him. You see him. They the most important player. We already know it's Jamal Murray. You see how. Every time he come off the screen, they trap him. But that's good because you got another playmaker who you who's on the floor that can find other guys. And those lobs by Aaron Gordon was that all night long because they were jumping. Jamal Murray, he was able to be a willing passer and get it to Jokic, who's another playmaker, and find him, make the right decisions, and guys will capitalize on it. And that's the difference. That's when I looked at that, I'm like, that's the difference. Joel Embiid is a point on score. So you, it's it's more tough. It's more easy to game plan for him and double him. It's not easy to double Jokic because he got so much of that great basketball IQ. You got guys cutting to the rim, and he's gonna find you. Get open, he's gonna find you. He's gonna find you easy. Now that's soften up the defense. Now he can score anytime he gets ready to when he does get to the post. So that's what I realized that when I watched these last two games, I'm saying yeah, it's more tough to stop Jokic because he sees the floor very well. And he gets when he, he doesn't have to impact the game on scoring alone. He can impact it defensively on the defensive boards, and he can impact it uh, by setting up other guys. Joel Embiid can't do that. He's just a plain back to the basket score, three, not a three point, not an effective three point shooter. But again, those when I watch those two, though, that's the main difference why Jokic is basically tougher to stop. So 
Chris, any any last? Go ahead, go ahead, Mo. Go ahead, go ahead. You need to, Coach, because when he doesn't have the ball, the defense is so aware of him. When he moves, when he drops, there's a reaction. There's a reaction. He actually, he's very similar. Think about this. He's a big man who gives you the same reaction that a Steph Curry does. You're so aware of him, it creates open opportunities for his teammates. Yep. Chris, go ahead. Go ahead. Get, 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 Get it out. There's no such thing as a Jokic bad game. It doesn't happen. Yeah, yes, because yes. the the night where the shot isn't there, he does everything else for the team. Yes. He's still facilitating, he's still finding those passing lanes, he's still getting the rest of the team involved. So, when you look at a shooter like a Steph or an Embiid or a LeBron, you know, they'll have their moments where they have bad games because the shot's not there. They don't have it from the free throw line. They're tired at the end of the game, whatever the case might be. You don't see that with Jokic because when he he was gassed at the end of game one, game yeah. one going into the fourth quarter, the guy had nothing left. So what did he do? He took a step back. He distributed. He ran the offense through him, but he wasn't the uh, he was the facilitator, not the scorer. And the team still thrived. That's what he does. So the version you're going to get of him is, are you going to get the guy that's going to put up 30? And if you don't get that guy, that's okay because he's going to put up 20. And then he's going to have the rebounds and he's going to have the assists and he's still going to dominate the game. You're not going to find a game this playoffs or in the regular season where you're like, man, that was that was a rough outing for him. He doesn't have them. He just doesn't have them. Yep. Facts, facts. So we're going to give our final predictions at the end of the show, as we always do. But right now, don't look good for Miami. Now you got to go to Denver again. And you got to try to get it done, get it done tonight, get it done tonight and extend the series. So we got to see what type of Miami Heat team that we're going to see tonight. Will we see a team that doesn't want to go home, that doesn't want to go home? Or will we see Denver first ever NBA title, uh, the NBA title in franchise history? That remains to be seen, but we'll get into that prediction tomorrow uh, after the sh- well, tail end of the show. So Toronto finally got a new ho- new coach. I don't know how to say his name. Someone can say his name. I definitely appreciate it. And someone can say pronounce his name because I don't I have no idea how to pronounce his name, but I think he is an assistant from the Memphis Grizzlies. He is one, one of the assistant coaches for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh uh Memphis Grizzlies got a good coaching staff over there. Taylor Jenkins is one of uh, the most young and impressive coaches over there. He comes over there for that coaching tree. He will be coaching the Toronto Raptors. So the Toronto Raptors has find have found their guy. Uh, Mo, start with you first. Right move or right move or what? What? What's your initial reaction to the new coaching hire? I think it's a fine move. Look, I, I like I've said before. At some point, we have to stop seeing these retread old coaches get new jobs. Yeah, I, I think it's good to put some new blood um, into the league. Good, great for the, the Raptors. It to me, it also signals. If you're going to bring in a, a young coach um, to start him out, there's a good chance that that roster construction is going to get a huge overhaul. I, I don't think that core is going to remain together. I no, it's, it's been done. Yeah, it's been done yeah. since season was over. Yeah. And, and, and we've talked about it. They've got a lot of guys that are very good players, but yep. not any one guy that could be your best player to lead you um, down the pike. I don't think Siakam – is the guy i don't think scotty scotty barnes he's very good and he's still developing but he's not ready to be the guy um og, OG ananubi 
he's very similar to Scotty Barnes. You you have you don't need both of them. You don't need two of those. They have too many guys to do the same thing. Um, they they just need to break that up and start fresh. Chris, go ahead. Give me your initial action of the new head coach. I mean, the hire is all right. Um, it's something that's going to blow your socks off at the end of the day. But right. I think the most important thing is, um, like like Mo said, it's, it's it's new blood. It's someone that you know you're not retreading. Someone that's been with eight different NBA teams. It's someone that's coming in with a fresh perspective. And at the end of the day, the the question is going to be what changes are going to be made because what they have now isn't going to get them more than what they got last season, which was what playoff didn't win a playoff game. I think 41 and 41, they were 500 last year, right yeah, on the mark. Yeah, yeah. That's what this team is currently comprised. Sure. You might get a few more games out of them, but if you keep it the way it is now, you're not going to get what you're looking for. And yep. this guy coming in, he has experience. He's been around the league since 2012. He's done some G League stuff. So it's hard. You don't know what you're going to get until you know what you're going to get. I mean, look at Boston. Boston thought that they had the guy coming into the playoffs. And then they're like, oh, maybe he's not the guy. He's decent. But that that's what it is. That's It's a roll of the dice. You think you have the guy. You hope you have the guy. And it's a grind. It's There's a lot of nuance to it. And then when it comes to playoff basketball, gentlemen, as you guys know, it's a whole new ballgame. So hopefully they get their situation kind of straightened out. They get a new perspective on it. And then once they get rolling, we'll see where it takes them. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I'm on the same page with you guys. This team is going to look totally different, you know, after this this year. You won't see. You're definitely not seeing Fred Van Bleek with them next year. He already came out and said that. And plus, he turned down a contract extension. And, you know, it, it was. I think Nick Nurse kind of lost the locker room at the end of the season. He kind of lost the locker room at the tail end of the season as well. That's also been reported he, that he lost the locker room. Uh, OG Ananobi and uh, Spicy P.A.K. Sayakum, I think they're going to be moved in the offseason in a big deal. I just think this team is going to full rebuild mode. The only one that's going to be a part of this rebuilding team is Scotty Barnes. That's the only one that's going to be a part of this rebuild team. Everybody else is going to go. Everybody else is gone. So um, now if you want to get a young coach like that from Memphis, that's the coach you need to start with. For a rebuilding process, younger coach that can relate to the younger players in their locker room. Uh, other than that, not nothing, you know, to blow your socks off. But other than that, it's a solid hire for you know, it's a, it's a solid hire for a rebuilding team, a team that wants to re, a team that wants to kind of rebuild. It's a solid, it's a okay hire, it's a okay hire. And they got a hot drive. They pretty much, uh, they pretty much, you know, they the number fifteen. I think they in the teens in the in the draft this year. So, uh, not looking good for them. But hey, we'll see what, what we'll see what's gonna go on with this team. Other than that, uh, we have a, a, another topic, James Harden. James Harden, you know. Ah. <laughs> Chris James. is a big James Harden fan. <laughs> James, got got Chris. Uh, uh, I'm gonna get Chris reaction on this because I know. Let me. I'm gonna guess. I know where this is going. I know where this is going. I'm gonna guess. Um, James Harden could he be a title contender? Could he be the favorite? Could he make a difference on the Phoenix Suns with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker? You know, you got Coach Frank Vogel. You you got rid of Chris Paul, which is most people expecting him to be traded, but they end up, you know, releasing him. So could would James Harden make sense for Phoenix for a title favorite? Chris, I'm gonna start it with you. What 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 year is this? 
what why are we having the does James Harden make a team a title? Why, why is that conversation still happening? <laughs> All right. James Harden, listen, no disrespect for the beard, but James Harden at this point in his career, he is a piece. He is not the center of anything. <laughs> All right. So for people to be like, is adding James Harden to the mix gonna put someone over the top? If they're not already on the precipice, then the answer is no. Now, I will say this. The Suns are a good team. They had a couple of issues defensively, I would argue, this past season. I don't know what James is going to do for that because my man is a wide-open door on defense most nights. So I don't think he's going to be helping on that side of the ball. Offensively, sure. You add him to the mix with what you have going on there, yes. Obviously, that is going to create some offensive firepower. But this whole conversation of James Harden being the, the the final piece, he was that in with the Nets. How did that turn out? He was that with the 70s. Like, where where was that moment where we had this conversation and we were actually right? He was going to be the final piece for a major championship team. I feel like that's just the thing that follows him around. And it never really comes to fruition. So, yes, he will make them better on offense, obviously. But is he going to be the piece that puts them over the edge? I, I think they need a different skill set than what Harden brings to the table. But hey, that's just me. Hey, you said said the right thing. Said the right thing. Say, Mo, go ahead. Go ahead. Give me your, your thoughts. It's going to make them better. I mean, are they, I mean, the bigger question is, are they going to win a title? They're not. But it's going to make it's going to make them better. They're going to be a top two or three seed in the West, probably one of the top three offenses in the West. When you put James Harden, even as a facilitator with Booker, with KD, there's going to be a problem. That's going to be hard to stop just because of his ability to still penetrate, um, still find other guys, not to mention what Booker and KD can do off the dribble and in the mid range. They're going to be a high scoring, um, tough offensive combination to stop. In the regular season, my question is, and this isn't just for James Harden, what will Phoenix be in the postseason? What will they look like when it matters most, when teams lock down, when they shorten the floor and they get into your space? I I don't think they're going to win a title. I think they're going to be really good, maybe get out of the second round, but they're not, I don't think they're going to win a title. People don't want to say this, but I'll say this. Kevin Durant is still a great player, but he, I think he's taking a step back. I think he's lost a step. I, 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 the last two postseasons, guys are locking him down. They're getting into him. He, he, he's not nearly as efficient. Uh, he, and look, when they let them play in the playoffs, and they did let them play in the playoffs, he struggles against any kind of physical play. He always has. So I, I don't think that Phoenix is set to get better I think it's smoke and mirrors. They're going to look great in the regular season, and people are going to get really excited and talk about what they could do, and they're going to get to the playoffs, and their season is going to end. Um, yep, I definitely agree with that. But it's kind of a defense for Devin Booker and Kevin Durant for me on this side of things. Here is why. Uh, they're going to get better. They're definitely going to get better. I wasn't sold on winning the championship any damn way uh, coming into the uh, – after the All-Star break, I already made my decision Denver – was going to make the finals. Denver was going to make the finals, and I had Boston literally in the finals. Uh, but that my, when Miami Heat started getting hot, 
when they when Miami Heat beat Milwaukee, when Miami Heat pretty much beat Milwaukee, I said this team for to get back to the damn Eastern Conference Finals. This team for to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Soon as they beat Milwaukee, we looking at a Miami Heat team that come in this series season struggling. Uh, Jimmy Butler frustrated, said he tired of losing, tired of losing. The moment he makes that comment, the team gets in the playoffs. They lose a play-in tournament game. They lose a play-in tournament. They come back. They beat Chicago. They dominate Giannis still 4-1. You can argue Giannis was hurt, but again, he's still on the court. He only missed one game, I believe, just that one game. That was it. And all the other games he played in pretty much. In game one, they did get hurt, and they was getting beat anyway. They were getting whooped anyway. So other than that, once they beat them, then, you know, New York supposed to be more time. Once they beat New York, I say, yeah, that can be a dangerous series versus Boston. They beat Boston. So other than that, other than that, for Phoenix, it's hard to play. It is hard to play well when you don't have no down, when you trade away your damn depth that you had. Anyway, it is hard. Kevin Durant had to play 39 minutes. Devin Booker had to play 38. That's exhausting to play every game. That's Now, you got by against the Clippers because – Kawhi Leonard was out. Kawhi Leonard was out, and Paul George was out. You got you barely got by that. You barely got by that. And Russell Westbrook was on a rampage the last the last few games of that series. You so you barely got by on that one because you know Kevin Durant then was able to outscore was able to outscore a Clippers team that didn't really have their best two stars. So if they had their best two stars, you can argue they could have won that series. They could have actually won to beat Kevin Durant and them in that series. But other than that, they didn't literally have nobody that can trust on the bench. I mean, T.J. Warren, T.J. Warren, uh, you couldn't trust him on – you couldn't trust him coming off the bench. Cameron Payne played – he plays him when you want to play him. DeAndre A not playing playing soft, playing like a pony out there, playing soft. Now you got to – all of a sudden you got to bench him. You got to bench him because he's not playing well. And like I say, yes, the deficiency did go down. They did go down. They didn't play well, and they deserve to get criticism. But also, when you look at the roster – when you look at the roster and when you look at the bench, the bench wasn't giving you anything, wasn't giving you anything. And they couldn't keep up with Denver because, hey, Kevin Durant had to play 38 minutes. Devin Booker had to play 48, 40 minutes a night for them to even win, for them to even try to even stay in a game. So that plays into the less efficient and knowing, and people knowing how to stop them. Oh, they know, hey, coming in this game, Devin Booker, you stop Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, you hold them under 40, then we good. Then we got a deeper bench than them. Denver, we got a deeper bench than them. We got a deeper bench than them. We can go to multiple guys. We can play them. Phoenix, they can't go to they can't go to all those guys. You got basically a five, a six a six man rotation. But Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, they have to do do try to do everything. But now for the main thing about Phoenix, they need to get some bench guys, man. They need depth on this team. They need depth on that bench. Period. And anyway, yes. And they traded them away. They traded them both away to the uh, Brooklyn Nets. They traded the players away to the Brooklyn Nets just to go out and get Kevin Durant. So when you look at their depth, they're not good. And James Harden, when he, if he does decide to go to Phoenix, it's not going to change that. It's not going to really change that. Because if the Clippers get healthy, like I said, I think they're a borderline scary team. But they seem like they're not going to never be healthy the, the way the way Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is. seems like they would never be healthy, so you can't really depend on them. Anyway... Uh, Minnesota, they're they're not really good. They're not good at all. They're not good at all. And I knew that when they made that trade, they still weren't going to be a good coach. Team. They're not going to be good for the next decade after that. They, 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 yes, they never was that good when they got Rudy Gobert. They never was going to be that good. I didn't think nothing was going to change there. At best, with Anthony Edwards, with a superstar that he's that he is, they're going to be a playing tournament team. With a, uh, other than that, nothing more, nothing less. 
But Golden State got some issues. They got, they got some issues. You can feel that franchise coming apart. So if, if Phoenix does get the right pieces, they can run the table. But Denver's still that, though. That's the one thing about it. Denver's still going to be that. They're not going to go anywhere. But other than that, uh, that was the topic for that. Any last any last uh, things on this topic that anybody want to talk about? I'll just say that you're right. We agree that Phoenix needs to get – they need depth. They have no bench depth, and they need wing defenders. The problem is we get to the offseason, and it's a, it, it becomes an arms race. They're yeah. gonna be they're gonna be competing with Golden State, the Lakers, um, the Celtics, the Heat, and others for some of the same players. They're all yep. going after the same guys, and that's and that's the problem. Um, how attractive is it to go out and play with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and James Harden? James Harden's a great player, but I don't know that he can attract other great players at this stage yeah. of his career. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, we do got the uh, next topic, and I believe this is about Saquon Barkley. Uh, will he sign? Will he, re- will he sign? Will he re-sign with the Giants? Or should the Giants not – what What should the Giants do? Should they sign him or should they say – should they not pay him? And, Chris, I'm going to start this subject with you. So, Saquon comes out. He's, out of, he's doing a kid's football camp or something, whatever he does. And apparently we find out that he was offered a couple of deals during the season, right at the end of the season, something along those lines. I think the numbers being thrown out there are like 10 million or 12 million. And one offer was around 13 or 14. He got all upset that people are talking about his salary and what he turned down and how he's being painted or whatnot. Let me just say this. If he was offered 14 million a year by the New York Giants and he didn't take it, I don't know what he's doing. Because I I understand the whole value, and I, I think that's what he's looking at. I think he's looking at it as, listen, guys, I know who the quarterback is. I know what he can do, and I know what he cannot do. And I know that you need a running game. And I know that I am one of the best at it currently, and I want to be paid accordingly. And I get that. But at the same time, it, it's such a struggle because you look at the position of running back in the league. And it's just not valued the way it was 15 years ago. So he's fighting an uphill battle. But I understand his point of view two ways. One, you want to keep it in-house. I wouldn't like it very much either if the Giants were going around saying, hey, we offered him $14 million. He said he wasn't want it. Like, I get that. That's a bad look on him. Totally understand it. I would feel a certain way too. And I understand his point of view of you're not going to be winning anything if Danny Dimes is the one you're putting the franchises back on. You're not doing that. He had good numbers last season, but so did I. And you need to roll with me if you want the success that we had last season. I get it. I think they're going to work it out. Uh, The Giants are, generally speaking, a well-run franchise. They don't make too many of those boneheaded mistakes. Uh, This isn't a Cleveland or a Houston or anything along those lines. So I I think they're going to figure it out. I think cooler heads are going to prevail. The Giants know what they have in their quarterback situation. They know what they need to do moving forward, and they have a good coach, and that coach wants a running game, something that he never had in Buffalo. So he sees the value of what Saquon brings to the table. And keep in mind, Saquon's only 26, I think is going to be his 26-year-old season. So he's not pushing that 30-year-old mark yet. Sign him to a three-year deal, and you can work it out so it's basically a two-year deal. Pay him up front, and then see where we are in a couple of seasons. I get it. Back start breaking down around 29 or 30. He still has a handful of good, good years left in him. 
So pay the man, let him take the ball, and see what can happen for the next couple of seasons. Because if you don't pay him and he walks, you're putting yourself in a bigger hole. All right, Mo, go ahead and get it out. He's their best offensive player. He might be their best player, but he's definitely their best offensive player. You can tell me how the running back position has been devalued. I understand that. But it makes sense if your quarterback is an elite quarterback or a franchise quarterback. Daniel Jones is to me, he's a jag. He's just another guy. I don't, I don't, I don't think Daniel Jones is one of the top 10 quarterbacks in his own conference, let alone the league. He what he is is he's a terrific athlete. He's capable of making plays, but he's not the kind of quarterback that can come up to the line of scrimmage, read the defense, and throw a receiver open. That's not what he does. Some of the Giants' best plays are he drops back. People go downfield, and then he takes off running. He he's actually their second leading rusher. He he's a running back with a really good arm. But Saquon is one of the best running backs, and he's also effective out the backfield. So the devalue—I understand the, dev, the devalue line, but that doesn't apply with this particular team. Your quarterback is Joe Average. If you if you took out Daniel Jones and put in an av- another average quarterback, and the team remained the same. They would be just as good. They would be just as good. I, I, I just think that they set the bar so low for Daniel Jones that when he had a little bit of success, the Giants said, this guy's a franchise quarterback. I, and I, I just don't see it. So I, I think they need to pay Saquon. Look, it, and, and look, I'm with Chris. If they offered him $14 million, I don't know what his problem is. He need to jump on that. He need to take that. <laughs> he need to take that. You're a 26-year-old running back. You're probably going to carry the ball 250 times, not to mention how many times you catch the ball at the backfield. You probably got about three years at a really high level before your body starts breaking. Now, take that 14 million, man, and do your thing. But I understand his frustration because of who his quarterback is and what he got. Yeah. Um, to me, the Giants got more holes, too, than uh, actually their receiving core, actually, not that really good. Their receiving core not all that good either. So uh Daniel Jones is not uh starting, he's he's a starting quarterback. He's not a franchise quarterback. Not a franchise quarterback at all. Uh, I don't know. Uh they gave him the money, they gave him the money, but you know, you know, you always want to uh appease your quarterback for some reason, for some reason like that. And this is the day, this is the day of the age we in. Hey, to see any type of brightness in the quarterback. And you see you can fix that quarterback. Hey, you're going to take a gamble on him. And that's what the Giants did. You know, Brian DeVoe came in, did a hell of a job with Daniel Jones. But that when you're running the ball that well, and when you're uh, running back getting over about 1,300 yards a season, that helps too. That help, that will help keep your turnovers down too. That will, that will put some zone read in it too and help your game out too. Help you get rushing touchdowns too. That make it easier for the wide receivers uh, to get, get open as well. But – other than that, you seen what the Eagles did. You seen what the Eagles did. They brought everything back down to earth. They stopped the running game. Hey, Daniel Jones, go out here and beat us. Go out, come out here and beat us. Wide receivers get open. Wide receivers couldn't get open, or he couldn't throw anybody open. So, other than that, uh, other than that, uh, when times get tough, when times get tough for them, hey, pipes will start breaking for the New York Giants. But I still think they're gonna be a fine team. They're gonna be a fine team. They're gonna be the nine, probably the nine win team. Uh, yeah, probably three the people wrong part. They're good enough for that. They're good enough for that. But most of that process is basically the running game. The running game, pretty much. 
The, the defense is starting to come along, like the defense, like the secondary, like the, how the secondary is coming along and how the defensive line is starting to look. But it's a lot of holes still on the offensive side, and you still would question Daniel Jones. If, say, if Saquon Barkley, you know, knock on wood, you're going to need that running back in case anything happened to him. If the ball in the hands of Daniel Jones and he have to beat you, I don't believe the quarterback, I don't believe he's good enough to beat you in the full game when it – I don't believe he's good enough to beat you. I just don't believe he's good enough to beat you if you have to put the game on him. If you just have to put drop back and put the game on him, it's not a Justin Herbert. It's not a Patrick Mahomes. Not a Patrick Mahomes or nothing. Now, I believe somehow – now, I know Chris is going to like this because he is a Miami fan. I think he is a Miami Dolphins fan. Tua can beat you at some point. Tua can beat you. He can beat you. He shows some signs that he can do it. That he can do it. He shows signs that he can beat you. Problem was the uh, concussions, yeah, concussions yeah. last year. Now I don't think he should have been on the field after the second concussion last year. I think kind of hinder him uh, a little bit, but he can't. He shows signs. He can beat you. Now that he got weapons, he can beat. He can definitely beat you. And Daniel Jones, I don't think he could do it. I think he's. I do think he's a starting quarterback. He's just not a uh, pay a high paid quarterback. He's not a franchise quarterback. He's not a franchise quarterback. But his talent, his upside that that that's what gets coaches drawn in. When you got good upside, that's what get them kind of drawn in, get them drawn in to you. So other than that, uh, Giants, pay Saquon Barkley, pay Saquon Barkley, give him his money. Saquon Barkley, take the $14 million. Please take the $14 million, sir. Help out your team. Help out, help out your team. Come on now. Y'all trying to – you trying to win. You already proved that you're one of the top – at least the top six, top five backs in the NFL. You're already proven that. Do whatever it takes to help your team. I don't want you to be another Le'Veon Bell when he made a mistake and took oh, that damn God. took that damn year off. And that damn year he took off. Hurt him a lot. Hurt him a lot because he was the best back in the league at that time. And he took that year out. And he and he took that year out. And it kind of held and held him back a lot. Then he ended up settling for going to the wrong damn team against the New York Jets because nobody didn't want to pay him after he took the damn year off. So his ego got involved into that point. His ego got in, involved into that. So other than that. Saquon Barkley, work out a deal. Work out a deal with him. So, other than that, we got uh, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. Mo, is he a fit for New England? He's visiting New England. He got many more visits. But is he a fit in New England, do you think? I mean, because he's one of he's the, one of the kind of receivers that can catch the ball with guys hanging all over him, and he goes out and he attacks the ball, he's a fit anywhere to me because – he might not be the biggest deep threat, but he moves the chains no matter what. And in the red zone, a guy like D-Hop, he's a beast. I, it's not that does he fit New England. Does, does New England fit him um, because of their current quarterback situation? If I were a star receiver, I got to look at who my quarterback's going to be. You If you go into New England, you're going to catch a lot of medicine balls. You're going you're gonna to get hit a lot. You're going to get hit. You're going to get hit a lot. You're probably going to average around 11 yards per catch because there's going to be a lot of short. If I'm a receiver, I'm not going to New England to get beat up. There's no point in that. He, and he's not a young receiver. He's a veteran. Like you, you want to go somewhere, even if you got to take a little bit of less money, be smarter. Go somewhere where there's a quarterback that can set you up for success, that can throw you open. Like, like there's got to be a balance. If you go to one of those teams, with a quarterback to just throw medicine balls, you're gonna be out, you're gonna be off the field more time than not. I I just think everybody keeps saying is he a fit for New England. I'm like, why would he want to go there? Like that, it, it with that quarterback situation, that's where receivers' careers go to die. 
Chris, go ahead. The only way he's a fit for New England is if they overpay him. And they might. They might throw more money at him than another team is willing to throw at him. I mean, look at the money they gave to Juju. I don't know what they were giving that boy that money for. He he has a semi-decent season with Patrick Mahomes, and now all of a sudden he's worth – come on now. So, (laughs) I mean, yeah, he might be a fit if they pay him what he wants to be paid because he he still wants to be paid the money, and I I get it. But you want to go play for the fourth best team in a division with the fourth best quarterback in a division? Like, and yeah, I'm a Dolphin fan. Fine. Let's say he's the third best quarterback in the division. Okay. That's not much better. You're not, it's not a Super Bowl team. You're not going to New England, think, looking at it like we do with Tom Brady being like, we're going to win the division and then we'll see what happens in the playoffs. You're going to New England saying, can we even make the playoffs? That's where you want to go. And I, I just don't see it. D Hop, he's not an idiot. He's going to be looking, he wants to get paid, obviously, but also he wants to win. He did the whole, losing thing in Arizona. Look how, look, look, come on. He's that's what he just came from. He's not going to go sign up for that again. And that's what you're getting into. If you're going to the Patriots, the offense is not their forte. They are a defensive team in a division that is now completely an offensive division with the dolphins and Mike McDaniels, Aaron Rodgers, and Josh Allen. So you're going in there with offenses that you can't compete with. And now you're just hoping that your defense is going to bottle him up. It it just doesn't make sense for him. Yep, that definitely. And like I say, you right. He he ain't the third best quarterback. He's a he's the he's the last quarterback in this division. He's probably he's the fourth quarterback in this division. Aaron Rodgers is still better at this point. He's still a better quarterback. I would I would say he's still a better quarterback than uh, Matt Jones, pretty much. Uh, we, we, we ain't got to even talk about Tua. Tua is, is better. Tua is definitely is a better quarterback uh, than Matt Jones, I think. Um, so I think at best, Matt, at best, Matt Jones is a game manager at best. At best, is uh, he's a game manager. That's just what he is. Nothing wrong with that. I don't, I don't mind you being a game manager and not putting – as long as you're not putting the ball in harm's way. But when we talk about DeAndre Hopkins, though, no, he did say he want to win. He did say he want to win. Tennessee – does does doesn't give you an opportunity to win? Like I say, I'm a diehard Houston fan. We don't give you a best opportunity to win. Um, so why not uh, go to Kansas City Chiefs? That's you got the best quarterback in football. I know, I know. People don't want to keep seeing the Chiefs. They they trying to get past the Chiefs. Hey, they give you the best. You got a Super Bowl, two time Super Bowl winning quarterback, four straight AFC championships. Hey, you, you become the number one receiver immediate over there, immediately. Well, any team you go to out of this list that he wants, that he's visiting, he's the number one wideout. He's going to be a number one wideout. He's going to be the number one. Still 30. He's 30 years old, but he still plays like you saw how he played last year in Arizona with less games. Still got over eight, over 800 yards, 700 yards. So he still is a great wide receiver. But you, if you're, he's talking about winning games. We're talking about winning. Not just getting paid. We're talking about winning games. A team that's going to give you a best shot to win, a quarterback that's going to put the ball in 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 great hands, in your hands, get you the ball. You're talking about a uh, Justin Herbert. You're talking about uh Pat Mahomes, a uh, Pat Mahomes or something like that. Or Joe Burrow, even though Cincinnati Joe Burrow, doesn't Joe Burrow, it. but they they loaded over there though. They loaded. Right. They already got the receiving right. core and the tight end over there. So again, I will say the Kansas City Chiefs, even Buffalo. Buffalo would be a good spot. Buffalo would be a 
excellent spot for him to win. And Stefan Diggs been frustrated. He's frustrated. You can tell he's getting to a breaking point. You can tell he's getting to a breaking point. So now why why not go go over there? Uh, choose out of one of those three teams where you know, hey, I'm going to be in a playoff race. We're going to go deep in the playoffs. I got quarterbacks, three quarterbacks that can get me the ball. They can get me the ball. It's not all about the money, but it's all about winning. That's what he said. That's what, that's what came out of his mouth. He listed his five teams that he wanted to go to. So why, why I, not? Go ahead. Go ahead, Mo. And Coach, I still think, you know, he's a great player. Great players have egos. So it, it's about winning, but he still wants to put up numbers. He still wants to yes. go to Pro Bowls. He wants to be all pro. So it, it doesn't make sense to go to the Patriots. He needs to go to, like you said, where they have a, a quarterback that can get him the ball and he can have 1,200, 1,300 receiving yards, uh, 10 or 11 touchdowns, 90 catches, and so on. You're not going to get that with the Patriots. If he catches 90 balls with the Patriots, it's going to be the hardest 1,000 yards he ever got. And like I say, he we talking about he still can put up performance. But what if winning, that's when winning comes for. That's when winning comes for. When you go to a, when you go to Patrick Mahomes, you're gonna get a thousand yards. You're gonna get eleven hundred yards. You got Kadarius Tony over there, who's who's coming into his own, came in his own last year. You got Travis Kelsey that will take the double team pretty much off him. That will take the double team pretty much off him. You got a seven. You got a seven round running back who had a great season. Now Isaiah Pacheco over there. You got plenty of offense over there, and you got the best quarterback in the game of football. So and you got Andy Reid, and you got Andy Reid, one of the best play callers in this in in our game. So again, that I think that's a solid set. But any one of those two, three, the Chargers, you know, the Chiefs, the Bills, I think those are great three options right there for them. Right there, win. If you talk about winning and also putting up numbers. That that I think those are the three teams. The hop just really need to really need to consider, man. Really need to consider at this point stage of his career. And he's thirty years old. He's thirty years old, so he's getting up in age pretty much. But he also, he still can play like a a top tier receiver in the league. So, any other any other thoughts on that before we uh, move on in the situation? Don't go to Buffalo. We don't <laughs> we we don't need you in Buffalo. All right. <laughs> so oh yeah so here we go we got uh miles sanders came out with a comment he said if the eagles would have gave him the ball more they would have won a super bowl they probably would have won a super bowl which is the only person that did run the ball a lot was jalen hurts and it did work but far as the running game you know official running game they didn't have no success running the ball like that but uh chris you agree uh, with Miles Sanders, their running backs had 17 carries for 45 yards. Yeah, what what was he going to do different? He averaged, I think, three yards or 2.6 yards a carry. No back, average better. Gate flow of the game. The running game was through Hurts. The running game was through Hurts for most of the season. You know, great. You're with a new team. You got a little bravado. You made a little talking point. Good for you, sir. But stop it. Just stop. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Bo, what you got? I'm, I'm with Chris. Look, you, you're with a new team, and you're still feeling some type of way. Um, you, you know what? Show and prove. Lead that new team to a Super Bowl, and be the reason why they win a Super Bowl. Then you can talk all you want, but anybody that follows the Eagles, have seen the Eagles. Jalen Hurts is that offense. It begins and ends with Jalen Hurts, and he's terrific in in the RPO. Actually, he makes it easier for a running back. If you if you can't be productive with that particular quarterback, the way they play, the problem's with you. 
Hey, like I say, hey, lead lead the Panthers to at least a playoff push. Lead the Panthers at least to a playoff push and have a great season on top of that. Have a great season on top of that. Uh stay healthy for once. Stay healthy for once. Don't just don't just don't be off the field. Stay healthy for once. Uh stop fumbling the ball, but take the ball for one time. But get this team. If you can be the leading rusher and become a become pretty much a top ten running back with the Carolina Panthers, help them make the playoffs. Then hey, you can talk all you can talk all day you want. Talk all you can talk all day you want. But other than that, uh other than other than that, you know, that's all the conversation will be said right now. Uh, you know, the running game was actually stopped outside of Jalen Hurts. Nobody couldn't run the ball. Nobody even couldn't even run the ball. Gainwell couldn't run. He couldn't run. The Chiefs done a great job of just stopping the run, taking the running backs out the out of the game, period. They did a great job. Their pressure, their pressure starting to amp up in the second half. We already seen Jalen Hurts was uncomfortable a little bit in that second half, and the Chiefs got some defensive stops, and they were able to go down the field consistently. And also special teams, Kadarius Tony, that punt return kind of killed, oh. killed him a lot. It killed the whole momentum of the game pretty much. They could put him up a couple of scores after that. You knew the ball game was going to turn. And then that penalty, they got the ball back. A penalty came, in which it was clearly a holding penalty. A lot of people upset the way it was called in the game, the way it was called. But it was a holding. It was a holding penalty. We seen the grab. It was a holding penalty. But other than that, man won a yeah. Super Bowl with no wide receivers. With third, with like I say, Nicole Hartman, Nicole Hartman, who's uh who's probably a, th- a third a slot receiver at best or number two at best, not even close to a number one. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, the last time he had a solid year was his rookie year. That was the last time he had a great year. Then he gets 900 yards with the Kansas City Chiefs. All of a sudden, the New England Patriots gave him that big contract, uh, give him that, that that big contract all of a sudden, give him that big contract. They won a Super Bowl with seven rookies, seven rookies out there playing. The cornerbacks was rookie. The corner, two cornerbacks was rookies. They had a defensive line. Loftus was a rookie. Leo Chanel was a rookie linebacker. Scott Moore was a rookie wide receiver. Isaiah Pacheco was a rookie running back, came and took uh, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's spot. They won with seven rookies. But that also shows you how great Patrick Mahomes really is. With this team, with having Travis Kelsey as a number one option as a tight end, that actually showed you how good Patrick Mahomes actually is as a quarterback and elevating other guys, elevate other people. So that, that just actually showed you how really great he is. And many we, didn't, we thought – most people thought they were going to have a down year, but hey, Patrick Mahomes again shows you how great he is in winning the Super Bowl with at best number twos, number twos, number threes. At best, number twos or number threes. So, other than that, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, we got Dalvin Cook. It's <laughs> landing spot. <laughs> I just saw, you saw that? I just saw that, Kyle. <laughs> He's in Juju. <laughs> Has Juju ever caught four touchdowns in his life? Come on now. <laughs> well, Juju might not nah, yeah, be a lot. That's your that's the EFC East uh guy. Y'all gonna be going at it a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh we get to the point with Dalvin Cook landing spot. Uh what's the best landing spot for Dalvin Cook? Mo, I'm gonna start with you. Um, I've said it before, uh, considering their current situation, I think the Cowboys would be a good fit for him. Um, I, I, I like him with Dallas. I'm surprised that Philadelphia hasn't contacted him uh, because with their offensive line, they've got one of the three best offensive line in football. And we've already talked about what Hurts does for the run game. 
Dalvin Cook, it's not like he got old suddenly. He's 27 and still has that burst, um, still can be effective out the backfield. So he has great value. Um, I, I think that there are a lot of contenders that should be looking to bring in a Dalvin Cook. I'm just surprised he hasn't gotten um, contacted by more. But I, I like him with those two teams. I mean, I, I you, you could name numerous teams that a Dalvin Cook can fit on. We just said Kansas City, he could play there too. He could play there too. He, he as a backup or as a starter, he could he could he could play there too. Dalvin Cook is that talented a player. Um, I'm just surprised he hasn't gotten more looks at. Chris, what do you think the best fit for Dalvin you Cook? You mean soon to be soon to be Miami Dolphin Dalvin Cook? Is that who we're talking about? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. We, we 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 talking about the man that right after it was announced he was going to be released, he's posting Instagram photos of him in Miami Stadium. <laughs> well, the, right? The home the homegrown kid That's who's openly fit. who's openly talked about playing in Miami. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm hey, just hey, saying. hey, 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 I wouldn't rule it out, man. Miami would be a nope. good, good spot. Oh, okay. I like that. I like uh my Miami, they what they what they're missing is a running game, right? So if you look at the last, you know, four years, we'll say, a lot of mediocrity in there. They made the playoffs this past season. But before that, it was pretty mediocre, eight, nine wins a season. That's pretty much how they roll. And the one thing missing throughout all of that, at the end of Tannehill's uh, reign in Miami, into Tua, we had a little bit of Ryan Fitzpatrick in there. It was a good time for everyone. But the one thing missing from all that was the running game. And it still is missing. Moster is there. He's awesome. I like him a lot. Uh, Wilson is there. He's a good complimentary back, but they don't have the big name. They don't have the every down back. They don't have a power back. Uh, that's what Miami needs. They need someone who can catch the ball in the backfield. They need some, they just need another weapon coming out of the backfield. And it, clearly there's mutual interest there. Uh, it's been basically said by his agent that there's mutual interest there. Everything he's done non-verbally shows that there's mutual interest there. I think what it comes down to for Cook is it's going to be money. Any team that he picks, he's going to pick a team where he thinks he can win. I think that Denver might be a dark horse here because oh, okay. Denver has the coach. They have the quarterback. They have the pieces on offense. They need a back. And I think Denver has more money to play with. And I think they might throw more money at Dalvin Cook. And if you're, that's not a bad place to land if you're looking at Denver. Uh, you're not going to win the division out there with KC, but they could easily be a playoff team this year. So I think Denver is a team to look at. I think Dallas is potentially a team to look at, but I think he picked Miami or Den uh, Denver over Dallas. But to your point, Mo, I don't know why he's not getting the looks he should be getting. Yeah, they they tried to trade him before, and you you can look at that and you can be like, well, why why trade for someone who's just going to be released? I didn't think they were going to release him. I thought they were going to try to trade him, and if they couldn't, they were going to make it work because he's that talented. I four I think it's four straight seasons over a thousand yards. Yep. The guy the guy's good and he's got the next two or three years where he's gonna continue to be good before you see that running back drop off. So I don't know. I, I like Madison, but it he's not Dalvin Cook. So I, I don't know what Minnesota's doing personally. I think that this is gonna hurt them a little bit on the back end. But as far as where Cook's going, I, I'm putting my money on Miami, but I think Denver is gonna be a dark horse. I like yeah. him and Mozart together. I like that yeah. combination. Because um, Mozart is – he's he's a breakaway back. He, he He's that kind of guy. But if you've got the every down back with Cook, that's a deadly combination. 
Yeah, it was a, it was, I had a team that interest in mind. I think they can do for a running back as well. I think it can be a dark horse, a solid team. It can be a solid team, probably borderline still playoff team. Only thing I would question about this team is the quarterback situation. That was really this is the really only team I question. Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay can definitely be a sleeper team that can uh get Dalvin Cook. I think they do need a running back. The only position you actually question is a running is a quarterback position. They still do got Mike Evans, who still can get you get you a thousand yards. Chris Godwin is still straight. Um, Russell Gage kind of had a down year, but he still could be served serviceable. Uh, I think their offense is good. The only question you would question the quarterback situation, and the quarterback situation is nasty right now. Is Baker Mayfield? You got uh, Kyle Trask. That's the only question right there. And you go to Denver. He can be a solid fit. Russell Wilson. And if the receivers, goddamn, if they can stay healthy, stay on the damn field, they can be, they can give some people some problems. The problem is they're never on the field. Corlin Sutton is a possession, big body type of wide receiver. He's never on the field. Jerry Judy off the field, got off the field issues and on field issues, injured all the time. He's he's in a bunch of trade rumors. Every time you talk trades, he's in there. Um, KJ Hamler as well. And so much things went on with, with Denver last year. You had a coach who couldn't coach last year and who clearly showed he wasn't ready. He showed it from the first game. Against Seattle, you knew it was going to be a problem. You knew he, he wasn't ready for the head coaching position. And we had to come in, we had to bring another coach in to help you manage timeouts because he'll use three timeouts in the first quarter. He'll use them all in the first quarter. You have to bring another coach in to help you manage timeout and situational football. That gets bad right there. But other than that, um, Sean Payton, Sean Payton as well. Sean Payton as well is a big difference over there. But Miami, they can look borderline scary if they can keep Tua upright. And Tua was having a great – Miami was nearly unstoppable when they had him last year. Healthy, they were nearly unstoppable. Their offense was literally uh, unstoppable. So Miami can be a good, great decision. It'll be a great decision. Hope he goes there. AFC East getting a little bit more interesting, man. It gets a little more tight throughout the first three teams. Even Patriots – Ain't that bad of a team, but the problem is, problem is they're gonna compete. They're gonna always compete, but the problem is, hey, quarterback situation is inconsistent, and they fight. They were fighting between Matt Jones and Bailey Zappi throughout the whole year, but the AFC's getting stronger, stronger and stronger. You get more competitive. Patriots uh, get a taste of their own medicine. They they were in a division where Brady was not just the best quarterback; he was the only quarterback for years. <laughs> I'm just being real. He was the hey, only hey, hey, like hey. there were great QB battles. It was Tom Brady versus a bunch of other guys, and, and they dominated the division, and now they're getting a taste of their own medicine. They don't have a quarterback, and everybody else has a quarterback. Um, and, and now they're, they're getting a taste of their own medicine, and, I, you know, chickens come home to roost. Yep. Yes, yes, yeah. All right, so we got uh, the next topic, Chris Paul. Uh, hearing a lot of room, hearing well, it's rumors. I don't pay attention. I don't listen to that. But other than that, I see my boy Mo. I see my boy make a video. Jonathan make a video yesterday, and he said, "Hell no to Chris Paul. He don't want Chris Paul in L.A. He don't want him in L.A. He was on the radio. He, he had a temper tantrum yesterday. Y'all <laughs> <laughs> gonna didn't, get all heated up? <laughs> I, I didn't see it, but it's Hey, yo, yo, that's just how he is. He was on the temper tantrum about Chris Paul. He said, hell no, 
Don't break Chris Paul. <laughs> Bo, how would you feel about it, though? Chris Paul, he wanted the – him and LeBron James always wanted to play. I don't I don't I don't want this let me be clear <laughs> I don't want this current version of Chris Paul that's what I'm talking about not just the skill set what's left but the body that comes with it that's worn down that can't stay healthy and more importantly almost always breaks down in the playoffs like you get Chris Paul you go through his 82 game season and you're 10 games into the playoffs, and at some point that body breaks down. I don't want Chris. We've already got an older team. I, I don't need another guy like that. Like I, Chris Paul right now to me is more of a name versus his game. Uh, I, I wouldn't want him on the Lakers. Uh, as a Laker fan, I, I want to be in a position to try to win a title. I just don't think Chris Paul is that guy. I don't think he can help you win a title. Not Not this version. Chris, go ahead. Why? Why? What are we doing? LeBron plays, what, 50, 55 games a season. Anthony Davis is always injured. Yes, he had a great 30, 25-game stretch to close out the season into the playoffs. Chris Paul, he, he's brittle. You're, you want you want your, your big three in L.A. to be three guys who, who can't stay off, who can't stay on the floor? That's what it's going to be. You bring Chris Paul in. Your best three players on the team are three guys who might give you 45 or 50 games a year because LeBron's just old. He needs time off. He's not going to play 80 games a year. Davis is always hurt. Paul is always – what are you doing? And then you're going to cross your fingers when you get to the playoffs and just hope that all three are healthy and all three can make it through a – play. it just it doesn't make sense. And that's not what L.A. needs. L.A. needs three-point shooting. L.A. needs outside shooting. That's what they need. And Chris Paul's not giving you that. Yeah, he's still lethal from the mid-range, but even that has deteriorated. Three years ago, Chris Paul, I, I'd listen to it. I'd be interested, yeah. potentially. But a lot has happened in three years for Chris Paul. and it, It's not the move currently. Personally, I want to see Chris Paul in Boston. Boston needs someone with an IQ. Agreed. To run their offense on the floor. And Chris Paul can be that guy. Chris Paul can be the guy to go up there to Boston. He doesn't have to do a lot. He needs to see the floor. He needs to put their two stars in a position to make plays. That's what he is. And if he only plays 50 games during the regular season, that's all right. Because you still have other people on the team that can make it happen. And Boston has proven they're a great regular season team. So they can be a great regular season team. It's the playoffs where Chris Paul would really be a benefit to Boston. But this L.A. talk, if he goes to L.A., we, we clearly know who, who is running that team, and it's not anybody in the front office. So, And why, and why would he go if you really think about it? LeBron's a ball-dominant player. If, if you're a point guard and you go play with LeBron James, you don't actually get to play point guard. Uh, so what is Chris Paul going to do? Spot up in the corner and shoot threes? Like it, it doesn't make sense from that standpoint. Boston to me is the perfect landing spot. Great call, Chris. Um, coach and I talked uh, talked about this before. And, and in Boston, he doesn't have to play thirty minutes a game. Like if to me, you rest him, you save him. Chris Paul and Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart can split time at the point. You, your value in getting Chris Paul, Chris, like you said, is going to be in the postseason. 
and that's when they need him. When when it's late in the game on a one possession game and you need to get a bucket, he will put everybody where they need to be and orchestrate that offense and get up a good shot. Oh man, man, I'm telling you, Chris, me and you gonna be great. Me and you like me and Mo, me and you gonna be uh get along well. Cause I literally we I literally just said Boston last weekend on the last morning show. I really literally just said Boston too. But I also had another team I threw in now, and Mo kind of know this team that I threw in now. The Miami Heat. I think Boston and Miami. I think Boston and Miami could be pretty good. And the reason you I don't gotta even point out the reasons you said Boston, because you already explained it and you explained it just like I explained it last weekend. Um Miami, the reason why I say Miami, if you can get to the finals with Jimmy Butler and just bound, basically alone, basically alone, that tells you all you need to know. But I, I'm not gonna say Chris Paul can give him over the top. But I still think Miami need one more guy, one more legit player that they can play with. That just tell you they not fall off. If they can get to Miami, if they get if, if Miami can get with that with Jimmy Butler and Bam out there into into some unexpected draft picks, like they've been released and not been released all the time, and playing with playing with just heart and effort, that tells you they don't need a lot. That tells you they really don't need a lot. And we don't know how Boston is going to look in a couple more years because Jalen Brown, you know, they're expecting to pay Jalen Brown and, uh, you know, Bob and Tatum six mil, six, 600 million. We don't know if Jalen Brown is going to take that much. We don't know who they got to choose out of somebody. We got to figure they got to choose out, out of somebody. The Wizards going into a rebuild mode. They already came out and said they're going to go full rebuild. So Bradley Beal will be open for anybody who wants to get him. He will be open. Uh, you have the 76ers who's going to lose in the second round every single time they play. Every single time they play, they're not a threat to anybody in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so you got Milwaukee. They got to sign Giannis' teammates back. Middleton, they're going to sign Middleton. They got to sign Middleton and, and Brooke Lopez, who's free agents this year. Who's free agents this year. So the East, and we got, we're not going to go on Atlanta. Atlanta is my most disappointed team this year. Making that trade for Jonte Murray, not saying he didn't play bad. He played actually well. The problem is the locker room was the problem, and the coaching was the problem. Clearly was the problem. And Trey Young being a diva, being a diva and get whatever you want. So that was that was pretty much the portion of the problem with the uh, Atlanta Hall. So really, you look at Miami, they can really, if they make the right moves, they can really be the second best team in the Eastern Conference, borderline the best. But I think Chris Paul helps this team because it gives them an actual point guard. I like Kyle Lowry. He's really good. He's stealing money. But at this point of his career, he's a bench player at this point, and he's done, he does good in his role, and he, he's accepted that. But Chris Paul gives you leadership. He fits right into the culture, another coach on the floor, and Pat Riley loved tough guys. He loved tough guys. And I think Chris Paul still can knock down a mid-range uh, jump shot at this point of his career, but the only thing, you don't have to play him every game, really. You don't have to play him every game. You need him in the playoffs. That's the only thing. You need him in the playoffs. You need him in the playoffs. Coach, if he's Not on my think, team, you can get a lot yeah. of DMPs. Yes, yes. And at the end of the day, Miami, they need a veteran leader. They need a, a peer point guard, and I don't think they have a peer point guard. Vincent, not a peer point guard. He's not a peer point guard. He's a shooter. He's a shooter. He's not someone that's going to get guys involved, that's going to take pressure off Jimmy Butler and Bam from handling the ball because those are the only two guys that handle the ball consistently pretty much that can really actually handle the ball pretty much and play make for them. 
Uh, and I think Chris Paul fits that mode. He fits the build of that team. In Boston, I didn't have to say nothing else. You took the words, right, what I said last week, and you put them down. And I think those two teams will fit, like, perfectly. I think Boston need a point guard because uh, the main two ball handlers is Jalen Brown and Tatum. I don't think they have – Smart can play point guard, but I don't think he is an actual point guard. And that's why I think Chris Paul comes in at – they point guard comes off the bench. Malcolm Brodman comes off the bench. They point guard actually comes off the bench, but I think Chris Paul gets now gives him that starter role immediately, and he gives him uh, he gives him a playmaker, and he gives him a lot of leadership. So Boston and Miami for me, you know, I think I think is a, is a, is a scary pick. Is a good pick for me. Any last questions on this? Gotcha, got gotcha, 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 gotcha. Gotcha. Shout out to everyone who came in the chat. Kyle, Kyle in the building. Got Kyle. You got Kyle in the building. Uh, the Hawks have a problem with Trey Young. Yeah, they have. They have Trey Young. It has a problem. He is a problem of the Atlanta Hawks, and I think he's a diva. Uh, uh, I think he was. The, he was the diva of the team. Plus, he does need the ball in his hands a lot. So does Dejounte Murray. He does need the ball in his hand a lot to be effective. But problem went on in the locker room with the coaching. He got. He literally got two coaches fired. That dude literally got. Two coaches fired and got two coaches up out of there. So uh, we have, we do have the game tonight. Before we get up out of here, we got to make our final predictions of the game tonight. So again, we got game number five. If the Denver Nuggets win, they win their first ever championship and the NBA season is closed. We get to the draft. We get to the free agency block. On that point, I think that's what is all fun about this. It's fun watching games, but also Free agency. You want to watch a team, see what they're going to do, what team gets better. This is the fun part about it, just like the NFL offseason. Training camp coming up, draft, you know, we, we, it's in process right now. You got many camps going on right now. But at the end of the day, Chris, will Denver close it out tonight and win their first ever championship? Or will Miami stay alive and go back to Miami for game six? I would love to see Miami stay alive. I would love to see some playoff Jimmy. I, I just like drama. I mean, I, I like good TV. I like series that go along. It's not going to happen. Uh, I think playoff Jimmy was snuffed out in Miami in games three and four. And there just isn't enough help. There isn't enough talent on the Miami team. There isn't enough answers. I don't think they're going to see the shots they saw in games one and two. I don't think there's enough just adjustments that Spo can make to really make a difference. I think through the first four games of this series, what we've really seen outside of a really poorly played second half in game two by Denver, and really they didn't play great games one or games two. Uh, you saw that they changed that in games three and four. What we've seen is a Denver team that clearly is, is the better team. They're clearly the more talented team. But more importantly, they can put their foot on the pedal at any time, almost at will. Yep. And it seems like they're choosing to do that in the third quarter. They're playing competitive basketball for the most part in the first half. You know, they're going into the halftime five, six point lead. And they come out in the third quarter and they're like, we're done here. We're going to step on your throats and now we're going to walk away with it. And I think we're going to see much of the same in game five. So I'm going to go Nuggets. Mo. Selfishly, um, as an NBA fan, I'd like to see Miami extend the series. Also, because I picked Miami because they kicked my ass all through the playoffs. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and I finally said, you know what, Jimmy, you got me. You got me. And and, and sure enough, Denver, Denver is the one team who should beat them because they're better and they possess the best player in basketball that is doing exactly what they're supposed to do. The problem for Miami is this. It's not just that Joker is unguardable. It's that Denver's second best player is outplaying Miami's two best players. Jamal Murray has outplayed Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. That's their second best player, let alone what Joker does. And I'm with Chris. I know what I want to happen, but what I'm expecting to happen is the Denver Nuggets to win their first championship in the history of that franchise. I, that's what I think is going to happen. Uh, we all came to the same conclusion. We realized, like Mo said, Mo, Mo used to say it, he knew better. He knew he knew better throughout this whole playoff series, throughout this whole playoffs. It is funny. Both teams had a uh, had a great path into the going coming into this series. You had uh, you had Denver. They've been the best team all year in the uh, Western Conference. In their conference, they've been the best team all year, and you can argue in the NBA as well. The problem was nobody was still sold into playoffs. That was the problem. They end up beating. They end up winning their first round series. They end up winning their first round series, with, which it was a totally mismatch against uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. It was a total mismatch. It don't look like they shouldn't even been been in the playoffs. Really, should not not have been in there. Um, they tried to give game. It was funny, you know. When I, I came on the morning show the next morning, you know what, Chris? Me and Mo was on there, and I laughed by a thousand times because watching that series was kind of laughable in Minnesota. Watching Carl Anthony Towns not show up every single time he plays in the playoffs. When you get out, when you're supposed to be a top center in the NBA, and you get outplayed by Rockets Clint Capella, that's saying something right there. But also, the game number three that Anthony Edwards carried and won him a playoff game showed you he give, he's a star right right in now. But they tried to get a game up. They literally tried to get a game up into Anthony Edwards' belt. They tried three times to get a game up. They tried it. And they lost. They failed. They failed in game. They failed in game five eventually. Then you go back. Denver, uh, tie, they looked like they were going to walk through Phoenix. Phoenix comes back. But the combination, Devin Book and Kevin Durant. And, you know, we already we already know how that ended. Denver and closed it out very strong. Then you got the Lakers. You got the Lakers and Denver, which was a sweep. What's a sweep? But it was a close sweep. It was a competitive sweep. It was a kind of a competitive sweep. Outside of game three, outside of game three, it was a competitive sweep. Outside of the last game, it was a competitive sweep, you can say. But now you go to Miami side, they were out talented in every way, in every way, every way, by no shape or form, they were out talented by every team they played. They were out talented. But the problem is they were the better team. For us, team basketball, better team. It's a difference between talent in the team they were the better team they were they were better coaching wise not saying they were better talented wise because milwaukee they were better talent uh new york better talent boston better talent but for his team and having those bunch of uh bunch of bunch of uh undrafted guys with motivation diving on the floor i'm talking about better team wise they were better they were better than each and everybody that they beat for his team not talent they were better but now this is the time right here. Three one talent may talent may finally kick finally kick in because no matter what Miami he tried to do to Denver, Denver guys got an answer for it. 
I mean, you want to play, you want to play zone? Denver got an answer. You want to play man? They got an answer. You want to jump Jamal Murray off the screen? They got an answer for it because you got that playmaker. You got the score rebounder, Nikola Jokic. He's your answer to, to everything that uh, Miami does try to do well. And it doesn't seem like whatever had for us in game number two, Miami made him a passer, made him uh, a score. It worked. And nobody, nobody was making shots, and Miami was. Now, the last two games, uh, last two games, the, the problem was the problem was for Miami, shot making. Got opportunities. They didn't make them. They didn't make them. And Denver was able to run away with it. Denver was able to run away with it. If this team cannot make open shots tonight, they will get run up out of the gym. Simple as that. Simple as that. I think this is a series that talent catching up to Miami right here. I think this is finally the series, and I think we will see Denver win this championship and get this series over with. And all of a sudden, we start the free agency block. We start the draft. We start the offseason in the NBA. And like I say, these both of these teams came on great path. I don't. We can argue Miami don't supposed to be here, but it just tells you. It just tells you they one piece away. They're not far away if they can get that with Jimmy Butler and Bam alone. They're they're not far away. Denver's still going to be there. Denver's still there. They're still going to be there. And even Jamal Murray not pl- pl- playing well. Bruce Brown playing well. Uh, KCP playing defense. Michael Porter playing playing well. Christian you got Brown. other guys. Go, huh? Christian Braun got other guys playing well. Y'all other guys playing well. If Jimmy Butler not playing well, they're not winning the game. That that's the difference. They're not winning the game. If Jimmy Butler's not playing well and they're not knocking down shots, Denver doesn't need to be good in shooting the ball. They don't need to be. They show they don't need to be good in shooting the ball. But other than that, I think we will see Denver holding up that trophy tonight and winning a championship and see Jokic celebrate tonight. So other than that, uh, great morning show for you guys for the guys today. Shout out to Chris, you know, the new member of the Empire Sports Network. Looking forward to working with him. The morning shows or whatever show he he decides to have or anything. Mo, always a pleasure to work with Mo. Mo been the right-hand man since uh, first day on the morning show. So, Mo, tell the people they can find you at, brother. At the Empire, Sports Empire Network. Um, you can check out the podcast, NBA Cypher, episode coming out on Wednesday. Chris, tell the people they can follow you at. Still to come. I'm just launching all my stuff now, so I'll get you next time on that. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Y'all check them out. Just launching some stuff now, so we will definitely be in tune in that. Don't worry about it, man. Y'all know where to find me. Y'all going to find me on my channel tonight. Me and Kuma, I got a special guest. Me and Kuma Kane. Kuma Kane going to be on the, on the, on that with me. Call what, the about play. what about Dez? Yep. Oh, I, hey, man, we still waiting. We still waiting on Dez, man. I'm still <laughs> waiting on Dez, but me and Kuma Kane. The Dem- uh, Denver fan, Denver Nuggets fan, he will be joining me tonight for the play-by-play and let- on my channel, Coach Dante. Uh, so y'all come through, check it out. Check out me and Kuma McCain, and let's see. Man, would Denver win the title or would Miami stay alive and go to Miami? As your boy, Coach Dante, Bo Mo, Mo, Chris, we see you guys later in, an- in another in the uh, next one. So shout out to everybody. Uh, have a good rest of your day. Mm-hmm.